Chris Meeks is going to be sharing today? He just shook his head, no, I will be sharing today. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Get up here, Chris. If I was sharing, it'd be quite short. Let me pray for you. Absolutely. Father, thank you for Chris's willingness to share. And and, uh, I just pray that you use him today to encourage us and and also challenge us. And and I just pray that everything we do today will be for your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. (laughs) All right. That was awesome. Um, so Cameron went off to, uh, Albania, as you, I'm sure you know, and, uh, just before he got back, uh, this book arrived in the mail and, and like everybody probably in this room, Amazon shows up and you're like, did I order something? And, uh, so this showed up and I, I saw the envelope, I opened it and I thought, well, maybe my wife had purchased a book. I know I hadn't. But uh, so this showed up. It is uh, intercessory prayer. Uh, the author is Dutch Sheets. And so I asked Gwen when she got home, did you order a book? And she said, no, I, it's not mine. So eventually I found out that a woman that Cameron had met in Albania sent him this book. I don't know if they had the conversation about it. Um, I wasn't there, but... I had the interest to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poke into this and I'm going to see. And so I started reading it and then he came home and then I invited him to read it with me. But I eventually just stole it from him because uh, I was tired of not having it to read. And so um, I'm going to tell you, I haven't read the whole book. You can see my, I've read the first four to five chapters for about, I've read them probably four or five times. Uh, the meat that I have received from them, it just seems to be ongoing. I read it, and then I get into a chapter that is um, not as enticing, I guess. Um, I don't identify with it, but I go right back to the first chapter, and I'm just dug in. I just can't help myself, and I end up reading those first four chapters and we're only going to do the first chapter, and it's meaty enough if I if I don't mess it all up. So, um, so I'm going to reference the book, and um, hopefully I'm not too loud. I might actually turn my ears off because it's kind of loud up here. Sorry. Um, okay, so prayer um, as a child. I remember my parents instituting that into my life, and, uh, and I'm sure many of you have had the same experience. So you are, I grew up in the church, so I, I know nothing else. I know nothing else about uh, life except that I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing God. I, I have always known, as, as far as I have been able to understand and rationalize and comprehend. I've always known God. I've always known the, the aspects, the, the things that God has given us. So one of those things was prayer. And so my mom started instituting that into my, at, the point, at that point, my, my little sister and I, she would pray with us as we went to sleep. And so as a child, you pray simply. It help, help. Help this person, help this person, help this person, help this person. You know, my mom saw this and she says, I want you to pray and I want you to not use the word help. Not that we don't need to pray for the help of others, but she says, I want you to expand your conversation with God. I want you to expand that. So as I grew up, that was cultivated. And so as you mature as a Christian, your prayer life changes. It it starts at a small point, a small point. it starts very innocently, and then it develops, and it grows. And so uh, we have those concepts of prayer, but we, we carry it to a point, that, and it becomes can become stagnant. It can become like, I'm only going to let it be this big. You know, we start small, and then we get it to about this point, and I I like that comfort level. I like that involvement, and so we kind of stay there. 
And uh, we pray for people. We pray for ourselves. We pray for wants, needs. We pray for protection. We pray for the lost. We pray for so many things. But there's still a box that we have. There's still that parameter that we contain ourselves to in prayer. So, I want to go into the necessity. I, the first thing I want to say is, is it necessary to pray? Is it an absolute necessity? Um, we know that God is sovereign. We know that he is the creator of all. And, um, and we, can, we can get ourselves into um, the box of God is in control all the time and it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I do. God is going to do what God is going to do regardless. So um, he does what he wants, and um, his will is absolutely guaranteed, right? So we, we pray about these things. And so I want to ask, do they matter? Do they matter in life? Um, as we go through our lives and we pray, does it really matter that we pray? So um, I just want to add this. Uh, I, just like you, I meet a lot of people that are uh, non-Christians, or I believe they are, or they have had struggles in their lives. Maybe they have become conflicted um, and bitter. But I had this one guy. He, uh, just like Calvin, I was in the Barbershop Harmony Society, and I was singing in a group of men, and a lot of those men had their own opinions. And I was not, I wasn't going to really stir the pot, but the things that came out of their mouths that kind of were offensive to me as a Christian were... um, if they were standing in, we, we practice in a church. If we if we were in the church and something was said derogatory, it was like, you can't say that in a church. I was like, what does the church building have to do with that? Okay, but there was this one guy. He was actually our president. And somehow we got onto the topic of prayer. Something was happening, maybe something in the world. And he says, uh, to the best of my knowledge, he says, don't pray for me. I said, what are you going to do for me? Are you going to pray for me? Are you going to do that for me? Don't worry about it. Don't even waste your breath because that is ridiculous. That's not going to work. And he totally denied the power of prayer in front of me to all his friends. And so um, that raises the question, and there's going to be some, a lot of questions in this. Does God want me to pray or does he just or does he need me to pray excuse me does he need me to pray or does he just want me to pray um, is it possible for God's will to be frustrated or not accomplished and so why um, do I why do we pray we understand um, these things as um, a great motivational force um, I know I've learned a lot of things throughout my life as to why you don't do certain things and why you do certain things. And um, I know that I've hurt myself pretty bad, and I've learned, hey, you don't do that. And sometimes you do it again, and you're thinking, you're, you know, I'm not very smart for doing that. I should have learned that the first time. And so as we go through life, we learn the, the, to navigate um, prayer. So is it necessary? Um, and this is where the, the meat of the book has come into play. This is something I did not know. So if you know this, just go along with me. And let's go back to the beginning of um, the Bible. And um, the answer to why prayer is necessary lies in God's original plan when he created Adam. Um, Adam means man or it means human beings. And so God made a man and called him man. Uh, He made a human and he called them 
human. So oftentimes when the Bible uses the term man, the actual Hebrew word is Adam. So Adam in the name and in the person represented God and represented us. Uh, So what God intended for Adam, he intended for us also. Now he gave Adam dominion over the earth. And so what we have is the steward. We have a governor. We have a go-between or a representative. And so let's go to Genesis uh, 1, 26 and 28. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing on earth. So what is Adam? Adam is a representative. He's that go-between. And so the definition of represent is to represent the will of another, uh, to exhibit the image and counterpart of, or to be a substitute or an agent for. And um, I've let a few people in this congregation know that I'm going to talk about them and some I didn't get to. So, um, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make this personal. I'm trying to show the bodies in this church that are evidence of what I've seen in this. And so John and Diana, they are representatives of MAF. They are not MAF, but they are representatives. So they are going on the authority and the behalf of MAF. And they're going to the places and they're representing MAF. On MAS behalf, right? So that is what Adam is also doing. He has been created by God and he is in the world on God's behalf. He has that dominion. He has been given the dominion by God's authority to be that representative in the world. Um, And then if we just go back to verse 27, uh, it just says that he created him in his own image and the image of God. He created a male and female. Um, So when creation looked at Adam, they were uh, in representation to see God as they saw God or as they saw Adam, they saw God. So um, he was to be like God. As they did, um, so as they did, they saw that until the, the, at the point where God, uh, Adam sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Um, Adam was comparable to or similar to God, so much like God that it was illusionary. God was recognized in Adam, which meant that Adam carried the weight here on earth. Adam represented God, representing him again, his will on earth. God was God's, uh, Adam was God's governor or manager. The earth was Adam's assignment and was under Adam's charge or care. Adam was the watchman or guardian, and how things went on planet earth, for better or worse, depended on Adam and his offspring. So, at this point, we now know that God had a purpose, God had a will. If earth remained a paradise, it was because of humankind. If it became messed up, it was because of humankind. That was what God established. So we have some pretty heavy results in this. And this is what I did not know. This is what I was revealed to me through Scripture is so complete and final was Adam's authority over earth that he not that he not just God had the ability to give it away to another I didn't know that I have been a Christian most of my life since uh, at least 10 I think it's when 8 8 maybe 
And I never knew that. And I read and, and listened, and I never, I never knew that. So in Luke 4, 6 and 7, we have, And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. So there's the evidence that Satan is the ruler of this world, and Jesus knew this. So when Jesus was tempted, Jesus knew this, never caught on to that. Jesus even called Satan the ruler of this world three times in John. So complete and final was God's decision to do things through humanity that it cost God the incarnation to regain what Adam gave away. He had to become a part of the human race. So here's the necessity of prayer. God chose from the time of creation to work on the earth through humans, not independent of them. So God is sovereign and God is creator and he is all powerful and he is over all. But he has given us that authority. He has given us that purpose in life to be a part of the plan. Not independent. So we are not walking around. We are not being just lifeless beings on this earth. And God is just saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to happen. And this is what I want. God is giving us the opportunity. He's saying, include me. Bring me in. Because I, need it. I, don't, I don't get that right. You, you have to give it to me. Satan is the ruler of the world. God is the ruler of all. And Adam gave that away. And so that was the disconnect. That was where God had to say, I give you the will to do what you want. And I want to be a part, but you're going to have to include me. So um, scripture tells us that God limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth. And working through humans. And so we look at um, some of these things. Um, God and humans doing it together. God needing faithful men and women. God needing a race through whom to work. In the Old Testament, we have prophets, God's workers. We have judges, God's workers. We have a human Messiah, God coming as flesh and working. We had human hands to heal. We had uh, uh, people on God's behalf healing the sick and working with the needy. We had human voices to speak. We had the apostles um, and those that followed Christ speaking to the lost, speaking to the Jews, and speaking to those that needed to hear that word and human feet to go. Paul Look how far Paul walked. I can't even imagine walking that far. And um, the fact that they did that on the behalf of God to walk distances to spread the word of God. He wants us to ask for his kingdom to come. It's right here. He says, ask me for my kingdom to come. He wants us to ask for our daily bread. He wants... he. Um, he has told us to ask for laborers to be sent into the harvest, Matthew 9.38. Paul, in his journey, said, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Is this not the desire and purpose of God wanting to see uh, his will accomplished on earth through us, humankind? Elijah, he prayed that in the story, he prayed that the rain would stop. And that was God's judgment. That was a judgment. And then God said to Elijah, go and show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. So what we what we want to say is God says, go to Ahab and I'll make it rain. But what did God do? God made him pray seven times. It wasn't once. It was seven. Seven happens to be a holy number. Um, but it also shows perseverance 
It also shows the fact that God is not just going to willy-nilly say, okay, I tell you, you do, I do. Sometimes there is a factor in there that says, I'm going to make this bigger than you. I'm going to make this a bigger picture. And so perseverance enters the picture. And he says, Elijah, I want you to pray seven times. Why did, why did, uh, in Jericho, why did they have to go around seven times? Why couldn't they go around once? There was impact involved. There was a bigger picture involved. And, uh, so when we think of Elijah, whose will and whose intention was that? Or initiation. Whose initiation? It was God's, not Elijah's. God accomplished his will through Elijah, not independently from him. Okay? There is this reoccurring current thought, like I'd said before, that no matter what happens, God is going to do everything. And so um, we can limit our concerns and our involvement. His will is his will, and we, are, we have just a small role. That's where we can get caught up in. Um, we, we can easily pass on asking. We can pass on seeking. And we can pass on acting because we can get into the position of I don't matter. I don't my what I do in my prayer life doesn't matter. And I'm going to tell you that it absolutely does. So. Um, uh In Ezekiel 22:30 and 31, he says, And I searched for a man among who should build up a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I have poured out my indignation on them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way I have brought upon their heads, declares the Lord. God's nature, holiness, integrity, uncompromising truth prevents him from excusing sin. It must be judged. So um, God is also love and his love always desires to redeem, always desires to restore and to show mercy. We are playing a part. Don't get that confused. We are playing a part in that. Um, He wants to have would you please believe that there's not one person in this world that he desires to go to hell? Not one. And but he has that he has been he has limited himself and he's given us the opportunity to be a part of that and to reach those unreached people groups, to talk to the lost. And um He even went as far as to say he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God, for his own reasons, so designed this world that much of what is truly his will, he makes contingent on the attitudes and actions of us. Human inaction doesn't nullify the atonement, but it can make it ineffective for lost people. So I think this is pretty big. And this is why I wanted to to talk. It is a privilege to pray. And it can be enjoyable. And it also can be heavy. And it can also be burdensome. Um, Now, I'm not going to delve into how to pray. um, But I I want to speak on what role are we taking in praying. To what extent are we praying? Outside of ourselves, locally, this is local, outside this building is local, globally, nationally, what are we, how are we involving ourselves personally in that aspect? Personally, involving ourselves locally, nationally, globally, outside of ourselves. Are we praying as a duty to God? Or because we want to be an active, active part of God's will. Prayer is not just an obligation. It is a necessity. 
our world and our country and ourselves were all corrupted by sin. And God is asking, and God is moving in the hearts and minds of each one of us. Are we listening? Are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we loving? Um, so, w- listening, I never knew what, you know, if somebody, I, um, what's the thought? People have said, I heard God's voice. People have said, God spoke to me. And I'm 50, and I can say, I don't have a clue. I, I think I, I think I got it, and I'm not sure, but what I have realized is, when I, for one purpose, when I read this book, I lost so much sleep, so much sleep, because I could not keep my mind off of the of what God is saying about prayer and just a lot of other stuff. There is more in this book that I'm not even going to get into, but. I was I would literally just lay there and it would consume my mind. I could not get it out of my mind and I would pray, I gotta get to sleep, Lord, I got to get some rest. No? Sorry, you're mine. And I'm going to I'm going to fill your mind with what I need you to understand. So that's listening, so asking. So When I pray, what do I ask for? Of course, I'm going to ask for things I need or want. But am I asking, uh, do I take the mirror and do I spin it around on myself? And this is the challenge because I, I had to do this. So instead of praying outwardly, I turned that around and I looked at myself and I said, God, is there a wicked way in me? Instead of me looking outwards, look inwards, look at me, and tell me what you see. Reveal that to me. Change that in me. That is asking God to work in me. Making sure that I am right with God. As I go and I, and I do the work of God and I seek and I act... Should I not be as correct of a person as I can be through God's eyes and through his purposes? So I turned that around and I, and I asked that and I was seeking with humility, who am I and what do you see? How do you see and what is it that is changing in me that I need to see? I have... I'm ashamed to say that I, Gwen and I don't pray with each other. We, we just have not done that very often. I pray for Gwen almost every day. And I think that she does likewise. Um, but what... I just lost my train of thought. I cannot believe it. Um, so... Um, As we pray, um, we are we are searching out um, what is the best in ourselves. We're I'm losing my train of thought. Give me just a minute. Um, listening and asking, seeking and loving. Um, so anyway, we're we're. I turned that mirror on in the back, and I wanted to make sure that I was I was correcting myself and how I was um, acting. And so, as I was acting, I realized how I treated others, and I realized uh, God brought to mind how I treated my wife, how I treated my children, how I treated my friends outside of uh, myself. And it was disturbing. It was, it was quite disturbing. And so I laid there and I said, 
I have one factor in my life that has um, that is um, constant, and that's flesh. That gets in my way every day of every day of every day. But then Chris, the person that God created, he pokes out. He gets outside of that and he says, stop, stop. I don't want to be that way and I want to change and I want God to help me. Please take me and mold me and shape me and and do what you want with me. And I get all that out before I get consumed back into the world. I get consumed back into flesh and I get consumed in forgetting what I even were was thinking because it is a consuming power. It is something that encapsulates us all the time. And so sometimes we get to poke out and say, God, help me see. Well, all this is a part of prayer. All this is how we are using prayer to get out of ourselves and to use it to include God into our lives. I hope this isn't confusing because I am extremely nervous. Um, In the conclusion, I just... um, So prayer, it's an absolute necessity. And prayer is comfort. Um, If you didn't know, I've been in jail. And um, prayer was the absolute staple of my existence in there. Because um, I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, But I'm going to tell you, it's lonely. And uh, it's not fun. But the first thing that came to my mom was start. Well, the first thing I did was just start singing to myself because that was a comfort. But then I started praying and I was like, you know what? I can put myself here. You know, this is my fault. But that does not negate nor um, uh, nullify the fact that you're with me. It does not. You're right there. You're, you're, you're with me. And all I have to do is turn and say, here I am. It just says, I, all I had to do is, was uh, humiliate myself to say, I need you. I've needed you every minute of every day. Um, prayer is a connection. How? Um, so we have the Bible. We have it as a rule book, as a, as a guide. But prayer is that method in communication. It is God's connection to us to say, this is what I want. It's just one piece of the pie as to how God talks to us and and has that relationship with us. And prayer is a tool um, that we can use in uh, many facets, um, that being in praying for others and um, praying for protection, praying for the lost. It's a, it's a very broad brush. Um, and so I wrote down some things that we probably should be using in um, prayer or at least when we pray. These are the things that have come to my mind and these have Um, these are the things that have mattered to me. Now, I've been in this church for 20 years, and I don't want you to take this as um, prideful, but I have learned more in this church than I have learned outside of this church in other places. Um, that even in just heritage, I did not know who Menno Simons was. I'd never heard that name. I never knew what the Reformation was. I never knew anything. I knew the Bible stories that I could remember. So this church, you, all of you, even the ones I might not know personally, matter to me. And this church matters to me. And so in this 
in the context of prayer, I want you to understand that I pray for most, if not all of you, when I can remember you. I, like I say, I've been through a photo, I have a photographic memory, and I can go through because no one changes spots, which is a good thing. But I can mentally go through, and I can go up and down the aisles, each seat, and I can see your faces. It doesn't matter if I know what's going on in your life. I want to pray for you because God wants me to pray for you. And so, um, let's start over here. Emily, I have prayed for for many years. And... I have prayed for Willard and Velma and Anna and Daniel and Megan and the things that were involved in their lives. You know, I, uh, Velma had, uh, was it, thyroid cancer. Prayed for her then. I prayed for Emily because Emily would be over at our house a lot. And so I got to know Emily and I got to know the ins and outs of Emily. And so I got to pray for Emily a lot. Well, now I'm praying for J.C. because I love J.C. because he loves Emily and I want to see those two in a life together. Yes, I have a purpose. I I am praying for J.C. specifically because of what he's dealing with, but I also want them to have a great life together. And I want to see him um, changed. I want to see him recover. So that everything can just keep moving forward because I'm so excited. Um, There are people that um, I pray for that I don't get to know. I don't don't get to know their stories. And that leads me to um, a different side of this congregation. We can be very tight-lipped. Very tight-lipped. And I don't know if, I don't, I, I'm not bold enough to ask, you know, are you just too prideful or anything like that. But I, this is what I'm asking you. This is what I'm, I'm asking this congregation to do. We join each other every week. We come here every week and we sit and we worship together. We listen to the message together. We show up for a reason. There is a reason that we keep showing up together, okay? But then there's that whole other thing where things are going on, but we don't talk about. We don't talk about what's happening in our lives. Now, we have an email blast, and we get, we get the, the big ticket items. Somebody's hurt, somebody's passed away, something's definitely happening. You know, we're big ticket. But there are so many small ticket stuff uh, happenings in this church that that are just not being discovered because I don't want I just don't want I don't want them to know I don't want you to know that I'm dealing with this it's embarrassing or it's it's something that I just don't want out there. Well, I'm here to tell you that it does not gotta be an email blast situation, but I'm asking. And, and proposing that we involve the people that we can involve in this. And, and again, I'm not saying it isn't happening, but I, I, would, I desire for us to be a stronger congregation through prayer and through prayer for each other. So, let's, for an example, let's say that somebody has um, depression. Depression is an ugly thing. And, and I'm sure that somebody in this room has depression, might, might know it, might not. Is that an email blast? No. But the people around that person, they know about the depression. And they might be dealing with that alone. And they might be trying to do their best. And in prayer, we can expand that. And it doesn't have to be big, but it can be an... A, a way of involving others in to make that a greater purpose. If I knew that I could pray for somebody, this is not a I know something you don't know. 
It's let me do that on your behalf. Let me love, let me carry a burden for you on your behalf. Let me take some weight from you and be a person that will stand with you, will pray with you to seek God's will in your life and to be a part of that story. So you find people to add to that struggle and it's your choice. But um, I, I desire for us to be better connected, better um, servants to one, to one another. Now, the lost, um, we, um, like, we, don't, we can just walk outside. We can find the lost. I mean, that's not hard. That's like blades of grass. Um, but when we interact with people that are lost, um, we can see that they're lost, and we can, and we can say, man, you are lost. And that's about as far as it goes. And we're easy to judge. We're easy to do things where, like, uh, we say, wow, you're, you're really lost. Like the guy that I was referring to that says, don't pray for me. Don't do that. Well, I'm going to tell you that I said that to myself. Man, you are lost, lost, lost. What I do about it? Nothing. No, I did nothing. And so when we encounter the lost or something that um, that we see as a evidence of the lost, instead of just making up our minds here and there, maybe we should do what God asks and say, seek him first. So would he be the, the best person to talk to in that situation? Uh, I encounter somebody, I don't know how to do it. I work with people like that, and I'm currently doing this. God, am I the person that is that you've put in front of them, or, or not? What is it that you would like me to say that, to them? That is also prayer. We have government. We have missions, workers in the field, and um, we can, again, they're, you know, government's just going to put their thumb on us and they're, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Um, but we can pray and we can pray with persistence um, for our government. We can pray that they put, that God can send workers in the field. Should I go to Capitol Hill? No. They would probably think I was one of the people that was attacking it again. Um, but we have uh, Vicki Hartzler. Vicki Hartzler is a person in the field. I have not got a good, I don't know Vicki Hartzler that well, but I, I know that she is trying. She represents us in her professional life, but she also represents us in Christian life. She is that foot in the door, and we need to be praying for her. There are many, there are um, certain other people in the, in our governments, local and national, that we know that are Christians. Lift them up. Lift them up. Tell them that you're lifting them up. Renee um, Spinney. I've known Renee since she was in MYF. And Recently, she lost her sister. I knew her sister. I drove a bus and picked her sister up. And I saw her sister when I worked in the school. And I was praying for Renee and her family. Was that enough? It could have been. But God placed upon my heart that Renee needed to know that somebody was listening and somebody was there to bear that bear that up with her. I didn't know what to say, and, and I said it with just complete ignorance, but I said, I came to her and I said, I need you to know I have been praying for you through this whole thing. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't get a lot of information, 
but I want you to know that I was bearing up with you in prayer, trying to support you. I knew Natalie. I knew uh, her as a person, and I've known Renee. And I am here to tell you that I am, I am in that with you, praying for you. That is the next aspect of prayer, is, is being the person that stands with and um, bearing up burdens with. So we have his kingdom and his will be done. Um, that's as far as I'm going to go. Um, I desire for us to be a fantastic community. And um, every day I'm here, I, I'm pretty happy. And, I, and what I don't want is for Satan to win. I don't want him to get a foothold. I don't want him to have a, a method of um, persuading and, um, and, and just getting, getting us. Um, and I feel like that's been happening. Um, we have been, we've argued, we've had our differences, and, um, and I'm afraid. That, that's, the, uh, that's the big ticket for me, is 20 years of this place that has taught me so much, and I see um, disharmony in places, and, it, and it's just hard. It's just hard for me to see. And I love every one of you, and I wish the absolute best for you, and I pray for you on, on many, many occasions. And I told her that I was going to say her name, but I need you. I personally want to thank John and Christine for being here every, every week because they mean a lot to me. They came from outside and they're inside. And we as a community, we as a church need to understand that. Everybody that walks through that door isn't going to look like me. And I'm, so I just want to look at you guys and I want to say thank you for being my friend. Thank you for coming and being a part of my congregation. So, I mean, I didn't say anything, so you're off the hook. Um, I told her I was going to mention her. Um, so let's pray and we'll, and we'll be done. Father, I just, I thank you that you are, you are faithful, you are a faithful God, and you listen. You take interest in what, in the affairs of your creation. And I, I just want to thank you that, um, That you are faithful. Thank you that that um, that we can talk to you. Thank like, thank you that we can be a part of your will. That we can spend time with you, and we can understand you through your word and through prayer and through your Holy Spirit. I really appreciate you getting me through today, and um, we'll see what's on the other side. But um, I, I want nothing more than to serve you and to get out of my own way. And I, I pray for my friends that are in this audience that we can get out of our way. And we can seek you, and we can understand you and your purposes, and we can be incredible representatives for you. 
there's a lot that that we're not going to get, but I but we can understand um, what you have given us now, and um, I'm just reveling in, in in the love that you have shown, and the mercy that you have shown, and and how you took the risk of li- of that limit of saying, I want you involved. I want you to be a part of this story. I want you to do this because I created you to have that relationship with me. And um, that's just fascinating. That's just so huge. Would you protect us as we go out of this building we're going to have a meal together and um, I hear that it's pretty good um, I just I pray for the blessing on that food if it's not going to happen later Lord let us just fellowship with each other learn each other and and know each other and grow with each other uh, in the future, that we can be one body because we have one God, and uh, and we all serve you. We love you, and I'm just so so grateful for this time of the year, and so grateful for um, the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. It is just, it is in great, great thanks that um, that I'm praying today, because I would not be the man I am without you, and the man that I will become as I seek you. Um, and uh, so I just pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen.